Hi, I'm co-host Lois Donkwa, and this is the 100 Alumni Voices podcast, Stories That Inspire, where we explore the personal and professional journeys of a diverse group of 100 doctoral alumni from Johns Hopkins University. Today, we're joined by Levi Mogg, EDD in Entrepreneurial Leadership and Current Executive Director at Teach for America. Hi, Levi. Hey, Lois. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited. It's Friday. You caught me on a great right. day. That's right. It's Friday. It's sunny in D.C., which we're grateful for. So I'm happy to dive in. Um, so I want to start by hearing about what made you want to pursue an EDD and entrepreneurial leadership and just hear more about your graduate work in general. Yeah, no, I, and I would say, you know, highly recommend the program, by the way, but I think, you know, the, what initiated an interest in, you know, getting, uh, an EDD really stems from my, my pursuit of just trying to create a more just world through education, which I could talk about more like my own personal journey, uh, but really trying to figure out like, how can I create the most value, um, in the education system to ensure that every student has access to, uh, or be on a life changing trajectory? And I, th- I th- and I truly believe education can be. Uh, the pathway for that to happen. So, uh, in, in doing so, I, you know, I obviously I went to school to continue to sharpen and refine my skills uh, and deepen my knowledge and build out my network to try to have the biggest impact possible. I love that. I definitely want to hear more about kind of your interest and passion for justice and education because I mean, we're clearly a biased group being into getting doctorates, but yeah, what drew you to that? I'd love to hear more. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back in time a little bit to like 10 year old Levi, you know, grew up. I was actually born in Washington state where I'm the executive director now and then moved to the Bay area. Um, and by 10 years old, I was actually thrust into the foster care system there. Um, and so yeah, I lived with, you know, went to 20 different schools and 10 different homes. Um, and really it wasn't until high school that I found some adults in my life, uh, who believed more in me than I believed in myself. Um, and if you've ever worked with children or you've mentored anyone, you, you kind of experience this like transfer of expectations where you're like, Hey, I, I think you can go to college. I think you have, we are capable of way more than you even know. And these mentors and these teachers did that for me. And I ended up applying for college of first generation, you know, coming out of foster care system where I don't think we see a lot of foster care kids get traction who are in the system. And then in college, just found my people. I was like, oh, they love school. They love learning. You know, it was all about like self-improvement and, you know, thinking about a career. I was looking into grad school opportunities after, after my undergrad. And I heard of this organization and they believed that students had unlimited potential, that leaders can help unlock that potential and that education could be a pathway to freedom. And I was like, no kidding. Uh, so I joined Teach for America and ended up teaching in Eastern North Carolina in a rural school where I saw, you know, I worked at a KIPP school there and familiar with KIPP's Knowledge is Power program, just delivering on just 
just like promise to kids. And we worked from 7 a.m. till 5 p.m. And we worked on Saturdays. Um, we worked with, we did home visits and work with parents and really try to figure out like, how can we use education as a tool to help students unlock their potential? And I watched 100% of my graduating seniors go to college. And of course, it's not a perfect model. I'm not advocating for Kip in this conversation. But what I am saying, I think what I learned from that is just like, man, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of people and a lot of stakeholders to, to make this work. And so, you know, I continued to join staff at Teach for America and was like, oh, can I advance leadership through leaders and continue to tinker on this problem? It's of like, how do we create a more just experience for kids who are most disenfranchised, most forgotten, I think, and most oppressed by the education system? So I continued on that journey and just thought the doctorate degree would continue to, again, allow me to refine my skills and knowledge again and uh, to just have a better understanding of what are the factors that are influencing students' inability to reach their full potential in our system. Uh, I love all of that for a number of reasons. I think that I love how you mentioned that, well, one, our experiences are what drive us to whatever moment we're in. So I love that you started with a 10-year-old version of yourself. But also, I love that you mentioned your finding your people because those are the, when you find community or people that really identify with your experience, it can motivate you in a really unique way. And I particularly love hearing about the work you do. I, um, at some point in undergrad, I worked at a charter school where there were a lot of Teach for America teachers. So it was just cool to see how that worked. But I want to dive into more kind of finding your people and how finding your people both in undergrad and perhaps in your program, how it made you think about new ideas, how it influenced you and all of that. Yeah, my people, you know, I at least for myself, you know, when I think about the people that I most like gravitate towards or the communities that I find myself uh, constantly in are people who really see education as, and I mentioned this earlier, as like a pathway to freedom, as like a great equalizer. And I think, you know, there's some research out there. It's like, it's not the great equalizer. It's like society is like so racist and so classist. Like, what are we going to do about it? And I'm like, I'm here for that. I think that makes a ton of sense. But I, you know, can education very pragmatically make students' lives better? Um, and maybe, I mean, and, and those are the people that I find myself around are people who really want to make sure that on Monday, you know, the kids who are in classrooms who are underserved have an opportunity to get closer to reaching their full potential. And so those are, those are the people I gravitate towards. I think, you know, not only are we a biased group and that we like love education, I think we're a biased group in that, like, I think Johns Hopkins is particularly justice oriented. I think it kind of attracts people who have a similar worldview that is like, hey, we need to like theorize about the problem and understand the factors that are creating the issues. In addition, we need to do something about it. Uh, and those are the people that I constantly find myself around. And in the EDD program, I think you get a, a, a subset of those groups who are really trying to do a couple of things. You know, it's not a traditional PhD program. You are, you are obviously doing research, but it is about how can I make my professional context better? Like, how can I improve this? Right. And you do like do the first three, three chapters where you're evaluating the problem, doing your needs assessment, like really evaluating the challenges and the, and the manifestations of those challenges. But then you're spending the rest of the time addressing it, like actually providing an intervention to try to make uh, the lives of your constituents better. Um, so yeah, I think I've really found those people in the program. And I think they pushed me to both evaluate the challenges that I thought that I saw in my professional context, but also consider a multitude of solutions that I didn't consider before. And specifically on the entrepreneurial and innovative 
solutions. That's cool. I love that. Um, well, it's cool to think about how, um, especially for your program, it starts with kind of, yes, you're asking question and questions and you're understanding the problem, but then it also kind of then transitions to the application piece. And for me, uh, health policy and management person that's really invested in that application piece, that's exciting to hear how that exists in kind of the education sphere. And I'm curious, while you were in your program, kind of what pieces of your program made you kind of have the mindset that you do now? And how did you, how did parts of your mindset transform in your program? And how's that showing up now? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And great to hear, Lois, you're a fellow like, pragmatic practitioner. I love that's it. That's right. <laughs> Four of us in the world. Uh, yeah, no, you know, I think going into the program, I think I identified some challenges that existed. I, you know, I, I worked in Idaho at the time. I was working primarily in rural communities. And I was just watching as, you know, students would graduate high school and not have any options to go to college. You know, and again, not saying college is thing everybody needs to go to, but I'm like, oh my goodness, like if they can't get an acceptance letter, they don't really have the opportunity, you know, to go there. It's like, what, how can we support school? How can Teach America support schools or like help teachers be the catalyst to try to provide pathways for students to have more opportunity after like post-secondary opportunity? And that question, you know, I, I talked with principals, I was talking with teachers, it's like, how do we do this? And so I thought I had the solution. You know, I thought, I think I, I came to Hopkins and I was like, I have the solution. We just need like more targeted support for students for post-secondary. And I think, you know, I'd say earlier on the program, they're like, that's not your problem. It's not the, that's not a problem you're trying that you need to spend more time, like really evaluating. I think the thing get underneath the, um, the thing that you're observing in your professional context. And so through conversations, or, I mean, you are writing about your problem of practice over in a bunch of different contexts, using a bunch of different literature and continue to advance your understanding of the problem and what's been written about it and what's been done about it uh, in, in the past. And so just that approach to just like rigorously define the parameters of the problem that you're observing continues to show up in my work. You just do a better job at really getting to root causes of issues as opposed to coming in and believing that the problem that you've, you already have a solution for a problem that you haven't defined. You know, uh, one common phrase that popped up in my program was like a solutionitis that comes from this book, but that we, we often have so many solutions that connect to so few problems, you know? And so how do we spend more time rigorously examining the challenges uh, and finding support to help, I don't know, give texture to exactly what they are and then come in with solutions. And so I think really tactically as teach for America figures out like what is going to be the parameters of our impact in Washington. It's like doing the hard work of looking at data, talking with stakeholders, doing a needs assessment. Like what are the challenges the community most wants to work on? Who Who's already here? Where's the Where are the bright spots? Like where's the good work happening? Uh, and then how might Teach for America be a part of that as opposed to coming in as like Teach for America is a solution to an undefined problem. So. Right. Yeah. It's about being in your program, um, kind of refined your lens so that the solutions that you all envision are more responsive to community needs and community circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, it's like, I think, you know, we talk about inequity being like this huge, you know, national problem. And then it's, there's so many factors that influence it. And if we are going to, let's say, Teach America can be a part of a broader 
equitable solution. It's like understanding how we fit in the system, right? And not assuming that like, yeah, leaders will make all the difference all the time. It's like, do I believe leaders in the classroom can make a huge difference to life students? Yes. Uh, and what else? And so it's just like a more rigorous, I think, uh, evaluation. Right. So something you said earlier was that you entered the program thinking, okay, this is my question. This is what's going to be solved, done. And you very quickly realized no. And I, that's a experience I'm sure unique in your own way, but not, um, uncommon for a lot of us. And I'm curious, what is that experience like? And can you talk more about realizing that you don't know as much as you know, but then experiencing kind of that humbling moment? Yeah, you know, our, this is such a good question. I think I wrestle with this all the time, especially like, how do, how do we like take in our lived experiences? And how do we use that as like, not as a driver, but as like an input, right into helping us understand a problem. And at times, you know, we could have these like very salient real experiences, you know, in our professional context, especially if you work with like, you work in communities that are under-resourced and you just see like all these challenges that they face to like hone in on one, just like, oh, this, if we just fix this, it would shift the system. I think the humbling part about it was honestly being in the program with other colleagues who were working on other factors that were influencing my problem. I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is like, this is way bigger than I think I, I realized. And I think that was like the humbling moment, right? Which was like, oh, my job is to really understand the piece of the puzzle that I'm most proximate to and can work on. But if I don't take a step back and, and see what other people are doing and really see the, the whole picture, I don't think we're going to see the change that we want in our lifetime. And so that was like a really humbling experience. And that's been reinforced by like brilliant people that I've talked to who've been in the game much longer than I have, which is like, hey, understand the whole, understand your part uh, to the whole and ensure, right, that constantly doing that, like talking with others and coalition building to ensure that you're doing your part in such a way that it's strengthening what other folks are doing as well. I think a really concrete way to think about this for at least for me was like, I'm working on a, you know, it's like a high school intervention about providing students like, uh, post-secondary self-efficacy. And that's great. But even if they get to college, you know, we had people in the program who were working on like, hey, once they get here, students are not prepared academically. What are the, what other challenges are they facing either in college or in high school that we can intervene on that would ensure that they're successful once they're in college? So again, I think there's a lot of interconnectedness to the, the, the problems we're trying to solve in education and other fields as well. Yeah, that's such a, it's making me think about kind of the challenge that, um, so doing work towards equity, whether it's education or equity in education or as it relates to healthcare and any other topics, it's, it's both a good thing, but also can be very challenging knowing that, like you said, and like I'm aware of, and a lot of us are aware of that you are a piece of a larger story and your strengths are contributing to that piece but you're not solving all of the problems. And I think this is something I've been grappling with recently where it's like, okay, there's systemic racism in healthcare, for example. I alone was born in this world and did not create it, and I likely will not fix it. So I'd love kind of for you or from your perspective, what, how you've dealt with that kind of reality, knowing that you're working towards equity and just enabling people or enhancing their ability to get access to things, but knowing that you can't fix everything. Oh, 
I mean, I would say um, you got you caught me on a good day. <laughs> you know, some days not so good where, you know, you just feel defeated. You're like, oh, my goodness, the same pro- pro- problem I came to work on 15 years ago is still a problem today. You know, in the communities that like people have worked so hard. And so, you know, I'm going to I'm going to quote some literature that is probably, you know, would not end up in anybody's dissertation. No offense to Simon Sinek, but he wrote this book that I found like very intriguing. The, this idea that emerged from this book. Uh, so it's he wrote it as like right during the pandemic. That was called Infinite Players. Right. And it's based on some theory about it's based on game theory. Uh, but he in the in the book, and I'm going to do a terrible job summarizing. He talks about the difference between you know, finite players and infinite players and finite players where it's where the game has a beginning and end. Uh, it's like sports that the, the, there's rules. And then like when the game ends, the players are done. Right. And he talks about infinite games, talks about relationships. And I often think about our work for equity as being an infinite game, uh, unfortunately. Right. It's like our work, our pursuit of a more just world or this world of like reconciliation uh, is an infinite game that we work on our entire lives. And they will continue even when we're done. Um, but the game itself, like helping solve it, helping improve it, actually motivates us to be in it, right? And it's, so it's like that's the, that he juxtaposes those two ideas. And when I think about equity work and creating a more just world and working with people like you, working with others who are trying to create more equitable systems for those mis- most disenfranchised, most forgotten, most depressed, I'm like, there's nothing I'd rather do with my life than do that that thing. So you know, I think that's what, I think that's what continues to motivate me is like, I want to be an infinite player. Like I want to spend my life doing this and uh, what I do and how I contribute. I want to continue to have the biggest impact possible. Oh, I love that. And I hear you on just doing the work, recognizing that it's a never ending journey and it's unpredictable. That's part of the fun for sure. Yeah. It has to be right. Like, it right. Has to be. <laughs> right. That's what keeps you going. So I'm curious, um, I'm curious about what your day-to-day looks like and just what does it mean to be executive director of Teach for America? But then also, yeah, what, yeah, tell us what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good question. So I actually started October 31st. So I just crested like my 90-day plan. You know, I met with hundreds of stakeholders. And so I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I do. But I'd say like the primary like buckets of my work, like one is to uh, help help like lead a great team. Right. I work with some of the most fantastic leaders in the world who are, you know, working with our alumni, working with core members, working with our school and district partners. So it's like one I think, bucket of my job is just like a good manager, right? Ensuring that we're all we're clear on what we're driving towards. People feel like a sense of belonging in what we're doing and we're making progress towards our aims. Secondly, is just being a community leader. You know, it's like I, I was born here which is so interesting. Provincialism is alive and well everywhere, I think. But, you know, I think it's like, I, I, but I don't know the community super well that we work in. So I'm getting to know our communities, meeting with students, meeting with principals and superintendents to get a sense of like, what's their vision for students, right? Like, what is their vision for kiddos? And what 10 years from now, like, what's different for kids? Like, what are we actually seeing different in the system? And then thinking like, how might Teach for America be a part of this, if at all? And continuing to have those conversations. So I'd say, you know, being a community leader, managing a team. And lastly is like fundraising, right? Uh, which is like the best part of the job. Meeting with people who who have a passion for educational equity, who may not have the privilege of sitting, in, like working for the nonprofit that I work for and doing the work day to day and helping bridge the gap between like what they care about, what they're funding and ensuring they like they know it deeply as possible. So I think those are like the three things that I do day to day. I'd say my calendar shifts 
you know, all the time <laughs> on the things that I'm working on. But if I can, if I could be like a great team lead, I, you know, manage, manage, you know, uh, a team well, if I could be a community leader and really be listening and honed into the needs of our community, and I could be an advocate and really finding folks who have the resources to channel into education, then I would be doing my job. Yeah, that's really, it's fun to hear how you kind of get to experience a mix of all kinds of different things for your role. So that's, that's great. I'm curious then, um, what advice would you give to someone who is looking for or looking to approach their career in a similar way as you have? So the reason I word it that way is because there can be people that do kind of engineering or health or biology that still want to do a similar type of thing you're doing. So what advice would you give? Yeah, I, a couple of things that I think, you know, if somebody was like, Hey, how am I different? If you want to be the executive director of Washington, you can come have the job if you really want. It's a lot of work. No, I'm just kidding. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I'd say one, stay curious, right? If anything, beat my time at Johns Hopkins. If anything, just like always curious. So like what's in the system, what's happening. Like do never assume like always hold what your assumptions loosely because you're probably wrong, you know, but always operate with a sense of curiosity, understanding that times change, people change, things in the system changes, and just always open and being nimble enough to shift your perspective as you notice new things arise. So stay curious. That would that would be one. The second, I think I've learned just over time about working, you know, as you know, community leader in in different communities is to stay very proximate to whatever the challenge is that you're trying to work on. Stay proximate to the folks most affected by that challenge. Stay proximate to like whatever your intervention is in the system. As you know, I think at times, I mean, especially, you know, I was a teacher once and then I coached teachers and then I worked on a program that coached, you know, you could really lose sight of like what's going on. And so just like staying close, keeping your ear to the ground, listening, showing up, um, and the last is this, you know, is I think that at this point in my career, I'm like, again, I'm gonna hold this loosely, I might be wrong, is that my number one goal or my number one job is to create value, right? Like that's what we're all trying to do. Like we're trying to create value. And in some ways that like we need to provide like excellent service, right? To create value for our folks. So that's to communities, that's for Teach for Americans, to our core members, to our alumni, to our partners, like constantly operating with a sense of like, service and trying to create value for the work that they're doing, especially if you become like this ancillary organization in education, we're not providing a direct service. We are of service to our constituents. Uh, I love all of that. Staying curious, staying close to the thing you're working on and just continuing to remember how to add value. Those they definitely all work hand in hand because yeah, it can be so easy to get lost in all of the mess, like you were saying. I, um, I've i loved everything you've talked about today, and it's been great to hear your perspective. And I'm curious, as my last question, what inspires you right now? So right now, I had an opportunity to visit a middle school two days ago. And I talked to a future entrepreneur, a future doctor, and a future pilot. And I was asking them questions like, hey, how's school going? You know, what are what are the things that are helping you prepare for the future? How is your school helping you prepare for the future? How might what barriers do you see? How might adults help remove some of those barriers? So you have a you could reach you could actually create the life you want for yourself. And I was so blown away at some of the 
like, I thought they were talking about like academics. I thought they were going to, you know, college applications, like, oh, FAFSA support, you know, it's great intervention. The things that they talked about is like having a caring adult who like believes in them, who gives them a, a safe, like helps them feel a sense of belonging. And they're like, man, there's just like a lot of pressure here. So like adults could just like help take off the pressure by like being in relationship with me. And I think at Teach for America, that's actually the people that we look for to be a part of our program, right? It's like, yes, they're like very ambitious. They want to, they're like equity minded, but they understand like at the end of the day, we're talking about like students who want us to have a relationship with them to help them move them towards the future they want for themselves. So I left inspired one that kids are so thoughtful and anytime you want, you know, at least for me, anytime I'm like, I want to know like, oh, what does the system need? I just like go talk with kids and they're like very honest, like brutally honest sometimes, uh, and that, and that, you know, I think the work we're doing at Teach for America and not only, but at least the work that I see day to day is doing that, like finding adults who want to be a part of their their students' journey to help advance the possibility that they reach their full potential. So uh, I'm, I'm really inspired this week. Check with me next week. I might, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm hoping you're inspired next week. But in any case, that definitely inspired me right now. And Levi, it's been so wonderful to just hear your perspective, hear more about kind of what your experience was pursuing your doctorate and a little more about what you're up to now. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Lois. I really appreciate it.